0: Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty on Licking Non-Vanilla with your hosts Ralph Greco Jr. and M Christian.
1: Everybody welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla once again. Uh this is well this is this is me. I'm Ralph Greco Jr., one of your hosts. And across the the country from me is my uh, my co-host uh Chris, otherwise known as M Christian from Eugene, Oregon. Right, the wilds of Eugene. And coming to us from another country, actually, today, is the lovely Arielle Anderson. Hello, Arielle, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm in Wales, where I live, um, which is a little country stuck onto England. It's not actually that little, it's just there's not very many people in (laughs) it.
1: And I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're very ha- happy to have you. Is it rainy in Wales? It's like the, we always think of yes. the typical English. and Yeah, is it? Okay. Yeah. 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 It's rained solidly for a month.
0: Oh, and it's okay.
1: Yeah. So in other words, you got your wellies.
0: <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> Wellies? How do you know about wellies? I, I don't know. I
1: have, I have, I have this, I have trivial knowledge of the dumbest thing. Just like Chris, we have some <laughs> great knowledge of really trivial, stupid stuff. Ariel,
0: um, you, actually, you I, and I.
1: Oh, go ahead. You yeah. say. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that often I find Americans, if they know stuff about my country, it's through Doctor Who a lot of the time. <laughs>
1: Well, oh, yeah. That would be Chris, because he's one of those fans. He's also a fan of the Avengers from way, way back. Oh, yes. Oh,
0: goodness. I think we all
1: are, really.
2: Y- yeah. Always- of course, you mentioned uh, Wales in Port Marion from the Prisoner, you know, and... Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. of yes. Of course. So I
1: wow. Um, so, Ariel, you and I met, we didn't meet, we talked, we spoke over Skype mm-hmm. a couple years ago, and... Yeah. um it was about the stuff you do in the what, uh, the spanking fetish world. Okay,
0: yes.
1: Okay, so that's what we talked about specifically. Yeah. But I know you do a lot of stuff, and I know you have a new book out. So let's first start with that. Let's start with the book. What's the title? Where people can get it if it's out yet, Anna, and what's, what is it about? It
0: is not out yet. It's out on the 24th of August. So possibly okay. by the time people are listening to this, maybe it will be out. Okay. In the USA, you can get it on Amazon um, I okay. think at the moment you can only get the ebook in the USA But if you want the hard copy, you can order it directly from the publisher They are unbound.com And the book is called Playing to Use, I'm on us. So it is available for shipping worldwide through the publisher
1: I'm going to do it right now Okay, Absolutely now, t- Tell us what the book is about though
0: I will tell you. Um I've <laughs> you I, will. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I grew up in a very conservative religious cult with Jehovah's Witnesses, who are a lot of people know about. I know you have mm-hmm. lots of good witnesses in the USA.
1: You're at the door right um, now. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and of course, as is the case with, with lots of Christian type cults. Um, it was pretty um, unliberal liberal in terms of sexuality. Mm. So when I was 16 and I realised that all these ideas I'd been having all my life about how nice it would be to be spanked and tied up, mm. I realised it was a sexuality and it felt like the absolute end of the world. I just thought I must never tell anyone. I will right. never find a partner if I let anyone know. And it was as I'm sure a lot of people who grew up pre-internet will um, relate to, it's a very lonely feeling realizing you you're kinky, but not knowing being kinky Mm -hmm. is a thing. So then when I was 25, by chance, I was taken to a art gallery and it Mm -hmm. turned out to be a BDSM exhibition, which was such a shock because I didn't know it existed. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was in a room where the walls were covered in Depictions of what was in my head right. And um, <laughs> and It turned out to be an exhibition Of multiple artists Most okay. of whom were there So by the end of the night I got bookings as a PDSM model oh, and wow. It was such a dramatic Start because I'd gone mm-hmm. From not knowing it existed To working in it Basically overnight
1: yeah,
2: like um, that.
0: Yeah. And so wow. my book is The story of that And how I found self-acceptance through doing this for work and then realized that doing this for work might give other people a sense of self-acceptance as well um and that's been my experience of this industry that i've been in for 20 years now
1: yeah i think chris we can we can relate the same way of having these these ideas um and certainly when we grew up because we're older than you you know i mean i i don't know chris i know not where was the I, you know it's ironic we're just talking about the Avengers, Chris. Chris remembers that one episode, the Avengers, that was very, very kinky and uh, and and but those tickles of moments you'd see and you get those those things you'd be happy with, but they they weren't they weren't any, they weren't anything of depth or long lasting. And then you you'd hope to find somebody maybe you dated who would have an idea. I mean you didn't know. I mean, we were long, yeah. we were kind of you know out there. You know. Am um, I
0: assuming that, that back then for you as well? It's not like we really had. It. A vocabulary for explaining what it was that we were into. For sure, for sure. Um, and I, I know people who were very progressive probably realised maybe back in the I and mean, there were people doing this stuff in the sixties yeah. and seventies. But but I think the vast majority of us just didn't know, and so didn't even have the words to explain to other people what we wanted to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris because Chris was in the LA and then San Francisco scene. So that was San Francisco uh, always had it there, right? Chris, I mean, you, oh, yeah. you kind of have felt a kinship there? I mean, was it so you you knew where to find it when you were there?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, it's like in certain major cities It was pretty much there. And if you knew where to look, it was pretty easy to find. And of course, you know, in Great Britain, it's been a longstanding tradition, you know, corporal punishment, all those kind of tempering things. But in certain cities, especially like, you know, the Pacific coast and New York, um, but in San Francisco, because there's a huge, you know, queer community, you know, starting way back in like the 40s, you know, it just sort of became integrated into it. So like when I was there in what was it, the early 80s, it was just pretty public, you know, where you could just find it almost anywhere but yeah for the long time it was like there was certain like language you use you know there's certain you know slang terms that would sort of open doors to things Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Yeah. so ariel so once once it starts for you then um you you, were you doing first um still photography modeling or movie model how how did you know how when, when did each one come into play
0: So I started in the industry at a really interesting time, it was 2003, and Mm -hmm. there was video on the internet, but a lot of people couldn't actually play it yet. Mm -hmm. So it was mostly stills. For the first couple of years, I was Mm -hmm. almost exclusively shooting stills. And at the time, a lot of models wouldn't shoot video. It's like, for a lot of us, we kind of perceived stills modeling as kind of okay, kind of artistic. But yeah. video modelling, oh, well, that's poor. Um, right, that's and, interesting. And so I picked up on this kind of stigma from other modelling. Oh, I guess I shouldn't do video. And yeah. I thought, hang on, I'm a classical actress. I'd already been in movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the movies I got cast in as a young actress were sexual. I was doing sex scenes, I was doing nudity. And mm-hmm. I thought, why am I scared to shoot fetish video when I have done what? a lot of these acts? Mm -hmm. And simulated much more explicit action that on camera and on video camera. And I thought it Mm -hmm. was okay because it was for a mainstream. So then I started doing video and I discovered I absolutely loved doing BDSM video because, of course, it's much more like the real thing than just beating pills.
1: Right. So, and were you shooting for like magazines like I'm I'm trying to think, like was Kane and. There was a whole bunch of English magazines, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> the big
0: one was Janus, which is sadly Janus. out A print now. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it was amazing that Janus Magazine came out monthly, and they had a shop in Soho in London which was just full of their magazines mm-hmm. and so to shoot for that it was kind of like an institution so right. i was first on the cover of that in 2006 and it okay. felt like a really big deal because it was I'm the sure. first time i'd been on the cover of a magazine that meant something to me you know i've been on yeah. the covers of car magazines and photography magazines but suddenly mm-hmm. being on the cover of a stanking magazine like that it was like being on the cover of my home
1: It was amazing <laughs> <laughs> like, I have arrived Yeah, absolutely Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, so, yeah Do you remember when, when and what it was The first actual video that you shot? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I actually do It was with okay. my now husband So it was for restrained okay. elegance. Uh, and <laughs> he, So we have been working together for a while already okay. And we booked for a video shoot um, and I was a useless teacher who couldn't control students. So I was sent to a training school to learn how to be dominant uh, <laughs> That's and good. tied up at the school. Um, right. And he spanked me very, very gently in the video. Okay. It was a very short video because no one could watch anything long. I think yeah. the whole thing is maybe two minutes long or something. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know if do you remember how with dial-up internet, if you were watching a video, you maybe get 30 seconds of it and then it would freeze
1: while it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, right. it's the next right. you're like you're like oh, i can't believe it just stopped right there you know you, mm-hmm. yeah. you yeah. had to be really motivated
0: to watch a yeah. whole video like that but i used yeah. to I, if it was spanking i would watch
1: it <laughs> <laughs> so so from then to now i mean you've you filmed with i would say uh quite a bit of studios quite many um quite a bit ma- many studios <laughs> yes. <laughs> right yes um, yes I there and, and in America and yes. other and other countries right
0: yeah yeah and I was fascinated the first time I came to the USA to mm-hmm. do bonding the first time I, I wasn't doing spanking yet when I first came to Los mm-hmm. Angeles um, but going and working with bondage producers in the USA, it was just amazing because um, in the UK, bondage work had been illegal for a long time. So when mm-hmm. I, I became a model, it was legal. But we just didn't have the heritage that you guys have because there hadn't been studios doing it for 20 years. Yeah. And to suddenly come and work with these people who were proper experienced professionals, it felt like... a uh, it felt like another level. It felt like going from shooting independent films to going and doing something in Hollywood. Really it was wow, very okay. exciting. I was very starstruck by the whole experience. It just seemed so slick and professional. I
1: mm-hmm. loved it. And I, I've also seen you, you turn <laughs> uh, some dominant terms on times on, on film as well. I mean, I've seen yeah. you mainly sub, but uh, some dominant, yeah.
0: I have, I have occasionally forayed into it, and I have to say it makes me cry. So the f- if you've seen me on video spanking someone specifically, it would have yeah. been because something went terribly wrong at the shoot, like the donkey. <laughs> or like, they'd ter- they misunderstood who yeah. I want. And so early in my career, if, someone, if something unexpected happened and they said, oh, would you mind being the top for this scene? Early mm-hmm. on, I'd have said, oh, yeah, sure, okay. And then I'd go and cry in a cupboard. So mm-hmm. then I learned, no, it's better to just say no. Um, so, right. But I discovered if I'm just talking straight to the camera like a POV style scene I don't mind being diabolically cruel because it's not real um it's just that I actually have to do anything to a person I just completely crumble and what's so neat about this industry is that it's totally possible to make a living from just doing the stuff you like which is a which was a really nice surprise because I'm very tall I'm six foot two so -hmm. when I started doing this work I was being offered dominant roles a lot. Mm,
1: Right. Makes Um,
0: sense. Yeah. And I just kept saying no. And I realised in the end, you don't have to do what you don't want to do. You can just make a living out of the stuff that you actually connect with. So that's what I do now.
1: Hmm. So how often do you shoot in your own environs as opposed to other places?
0: So before COVID, I used to do half and half. Um, I would tour two weeks out of four and then I'd work from home shooting my own content two weeks out of four. Then COVID happened and the lockdowns and so I started doing nothing but working from home and when restrictions lifted again, I realised I was so busy with videos, essentially, that I didn't really have time to tour quite as much, so now I Mm -hmm. probably tour two weeks in six um, because I don't want to miss out on working with other producers because Of course, human contact's really important, and also exposing yourself to other people's way of doing things is important. BDSM obviously is something you can do in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. and I like experiencing that. So I think I will always carry on working with other people as well. It just feels important.
1: Yeah, because Chris, when, when, if you, we've both done this. When we look look at her, her au revoir, as we say. Um, <laughs> you, you, you have shot with a ton of different people and, and yeah. different studios, and you know I can I can I can name a bunch. Um, and of course, I've only looked, Ariel. I've only looked for research purposes. <laughs> That's all for research purposes.
0: I'm flanking
1: very important. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm not looking at, at any any part of you other than your face to see how you're reacting. Of course, quite right, um, right. Um, but yeah, I, I just it just it's astounding to me. I mean, and I, I guess we could say this with, with with all, and you can you can come back with all the humility you want. But you are a very popular person in this field. I mean, all humility aside. Thank you. i
0: um, I think. It's a really lovely thing that in this field, in the fetish modeling world, fans seem so loyal
2: Hmm. that
0: you are able to have a 20 year career. You know, if I was a glamour model, you know, shooting Playboy, for example, that wouldn't be the case. Um, It's Mm -hmm. it's quite a short career. Um, And so I suppose being in it for so long allows you to get a lot of reach. You know, a lot of people end up knowing about you. And I sometimes I love it when I get emails from people who say I was the first porn that they watched. Right. <laughs> because right. History long enough that I've been someone's formative sexual experience. It just feels right. like oh I mean, that's lovely.
1: That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. I mean yes. it, it, it's funny as, you, as she says this, Chris. I'm thinking the first thing that comes to mind is she's not getting aged out in what she does. True. You know, I'm speaking. I'm she, like you're not here, Ariel. I'm sorry, no, but you go ahead. but you know, but you know, Chris, <laughs> this doesn't seem to be. And, 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 am I right or wrong about that in the fetish field? Do, do we get aged out or do we not? And I'll throw that, I, I'll throw that to both of you.
2: I think it's like. It depends, because it's like there's always some market for the youngest and so forth. But, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's mostly like your personality, what you do. And that's the one thing I loved about you know, my, my, my numerous years in the King community was that it, it, your appearance doesn't matter. It's what you do and what kind of a person you are. Mm-hmm. And so if you're fun to be with, fun to play with, honorable, respect, consensuality, doesn't matter. And in fact, I remember several times where you'd be at some event and there'd be someone showing up who was like, clearly just sort of like trying to get into it and was kind of young and naive. And it's just like all the old timers going, okay, it's nice. You look cute, but what do you do? And are you good at what you do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I do think, you know, by and large, it's a little bit more forgiving. Yes, I
0: definitely agree with that. I think it is definitely more forgiving, surprisingly. So I was 25 when I started modeling and Mm -hmm. I thought I've probably got five years if I'm lucky, you know, 30, sounds like Mm -hmm. the kind of maximum age. And what I haven't really realized is a couple of things. One, that your fans grow old with you. Mm -hmm. So my fans who were 35 when I started are 55 now. And they express often often they express um, the sentiment that as they've got older they are uncomfortable looking at the very youngest models because they feel a bit creepy mm-hmm. and I I think I kind of get that um, well, and so, mm-hmm. so they feel com- more comfortable looking at me because they know I've not just turned 18 and I'm not going to change my mind next year when I decide I want to be a grade school teacher um, right. and I, I think there is some reassurance in that for them and the other thing is that you know for bondage for example when i started i was playing girls next door mm-hmm. um, i was playing college students and cheerleaders and i still sometimes get to do that but now yeah. i'm still doing the same stuff i'm still being tied up and spanked but i might be playing uh like snooty teacher or right. a pill or someone's aunt. Um, but the right. same thing is happening to me, so I'm happy with that. Um, so right. I'm interested to see you know, what kind of roles will I be in 10 years' time. And I would like to believe that there will still be work for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of the work of Gigi Lin, who was a fantastic bondage model, and she was in her late 60s, and she sadly passed away um, earlier this year. Um, but she, until she got sick, she was still a full-time BDSM model, and I always think of what an inspiration she is, and yeah. how much I hope I might be in the business for as long as her.
1: Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, like you said, like yeah. your audience is growing older with you, so you know wh- why wouldn't they want to keep seeing you?
0: So that's my hope. Yeah,
1: yeah, I. So uh, generally speaking. Let's let's do a scale here. Your favorite scenes to shoot, absolutely. Is it just over the knee? Uh, Is it implement? Is it not? I mean, do you have a favorite? If you had your druthers, you would do all the time.
0: I think I do. I wouldn't do anything all the time because I know that the variety is what's fun. And also, I feel like when I'm doing hard bondage, I'm giving my butt time to heal. And when I'm doing stonking, I'm giving my shoulders time to heal. So I think it's healthy, especially as I get older. But my favourite thing of all is when people combine bondage and CP impact play of some sort. Because I've discovered a lot of producers only like one or the other. Mm-hmm. So you don't find that many people who cross over, but I cross over, I like these two things. So okay. when I get to do once, it's my favourite in the world.
1: <laughs> and how about your least favourite? Oh, I, you yeah. I guess you don't shoot your least favourite. <laughs>
0: I'm not a massive fan of very soft footage, so if you just give me a pair of handcuffs and want me to pose for 100 pictures, I just feel like, well, I'm never going to get out, but I can move loads. I can just walk mm-hmm. off there, and it all feels a bit like, oh, for goodness sake, like, add something and make it more exciting. Uh, okay, but, okay. But if it's with a nice photographer, it's still a
1: right? Yeah, right. So what what's going to happen now with... Because uh, you know, it's, I also read... Chris, I don't know if you saw this, but Ariel had a piece in the Huffington Post. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, Give me one second, guys. Keep talking. I need to do some of my camera. So, Ariel, I saw that piece in the Huffington Post, which I thought was very progressive of them. Um, I know, right? I know. Was that the spark for the book, or were you already writing the book before then?
0: I had already written the book. And okay. I very stupidly thought that by publishing an article, it would help me sell my book. Yeah, good luck with that. Too, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <yeah. laughs> we know that story. We've yep. all been there before. Go ahead. Been there, done that, have a t shirt. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I realized that's not how publicity works. But what yeah. I did get as a result of that was a lot of emails from ex Jehovah's Witnesses um, sharing their story with me. And it was really <laughs> okay, sad. Good. Really sad, but also really a privilege. And so. Yeah, uh, good. I'm hoping that I might reach some more experience with my book, because mm-hmm. a lot of people who come out of religious cults, I don't think they ever fully really recover, and feel like I luckily have. So mm-hmm. anything I could kind of share that might make them feel a bit more comfortable about living in the normal, secular world, I would really mm-hmm. like that.
1: Good, good. So, what's going to happen now when the book comes out? What's your plans for publicity, other than doing wonderful podcasts like this?
0: Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, so the book is out in two weeks at the time okay. of recording, right. and day is a Thursday. And on Sunday, there's an interview with me in one of our big national newspapers, um, and what? I haven't seen it.
1: Right, well, t- a- yeah, I think you. What you tell? I think you told us about this, right?
0: It might be cool. It might be terrible. <laughs> it's not a paper I generally read.
1: Okay. And.
0: And I have no idea if it would be positive or not.
1: Mm. Um, Can can you say the name of the paper?
0: It's going to be the Mail on Sunday.
1: Oh, I know the Mail
2: on Sunday. Yeah, okay.
0: So we don't know. It's our biggest Sunday paper, so I'm very glad. Hopefully, hopefully. We'll see. And so after that, there'll be some other things in another of our newspapers here, another magazine. Um, and then hopefully once the book's actually out I might do some more publicity yeah. and stuff I hope yeah. so Because I know that it's a very crowded marketplace And because this is my Thank first you. book I don't really know what I can best do to help sell it Because mm-hmm. I'm a beginner, So I'm doing my best I've got lots of ideas for competitions mm-hmm. and things I've run But I know I'm kind of I'm like what do you call a freshman I'm like a freshman Yeah you know, and I'm aware I could make a lot of mistakes <laughs> I'm
1: so will see uh, You know Chris and I have been doing it for a while And we make mistakes all the time You know you, you just yeah. mm, and, no, and nobody has it Has it People think they have a clue, but nobody has it. Especially in this day and age, how things change so rapidly, you know, before you know it. You know, a year ago, how popular was TikTok, and now it is. You know, you can't, so you don't really know. I I think you just have to go out there and do the best you can. And if Mm -hmm. if this thing comes out on Sunday and it's great, it's great. If it's not, at least you've got publicity. You're in there. Who cares, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: totally. And I think there's something about having been in any industry for 20 years or longer it Mm -hmm. makes you aware of how much you know in your own field and Mm -hmm. therefore how you know about every other field and I've never felt so much of a beginner as I have in publishing Um, because I don't know if it's the same in the USA but in the UK it turns out that the publishing industry is run by very privileged people like socially Um, so it's a bit of a kind of closed shop to some Mm -hmm. extent hope it might be a bit better in the usa but it certainly feels like a bit of a club of people who went to very posh universities very class kind of like ivy league type establishments it depends so that scares me a bit
1: i don't know it depends what you're publishing because because chris and i because we publish mainly mainly erotica we do a lot of other stuff but mainly in that field Uh I don't find that what you're saying as much as what I do find is it's a closed shop with certain editors in certain houses. And Chris yeah. will attest to this. We 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 don't get along. We get along with everybody. We like everybody. And But there are some people, there are editors that just are close to us. Chris and I both. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've, I've said to Chris, do you find that you're getting this this feeling from this? And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right, Chris? I mean, you, you'd say
2: now, that. Right? I'd say it's less class and more uh, nepotistic. So, in other yeah. words, you have to sort of, yes. like, once you get into the circle, then you can do it. But if you're outside the circle, then forget it. Yeah. Um, and so, it's like, it takes a lot of work to get into that kind of, like, genre with a certain publisher. But the good news is, these days, we have also mid and smaller publishers that are less, you know, they're less kind of like, you have to be part of our group. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, publishing, believe me, as Ralph can attest, it's a pain in the posterior. Um, yeah. But, it's you like you era. said. No, not in a good way, not in a good way Not not the way that you, you love Ariel yeah. But it's also just like, I always remember Oscar Wilde There's, you know, the only thing that's worse than You know, being talked about is being not talked about So, yeah. you know, it's like You know, sometimes the most surprising thing Will suddenly, like, get a huge increase In sales, so yes. you just gotta try Everything, and just yeah. hope for the best yeah, yeah, absolutely I'm really
0: interested to see Because I'm a sex worker, I work in sex work Um, I really Want to I want our voices to be heard, not necessarily mine, but our collective mm-hmm. voices. So I'm interested to see which bits of the mainstream media and which publishers will be receptive to the idea of, of publicising the story of someone who does a kind of stigmatised job. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to be surprised because I, I think we, as a group, we've done a good job of being loud and trying to be seen. This it's obviously an ongoing fight. And I, I feel like if I ever got invited into a, you know, a daytime TV show, as the mainstream normal thing. And if I got treated like any other author, mm-hmm. like, I would feel like, wow, that is a change. And so if I got that, that would be really lovely because often I see sex work being discussed on TV and radio and there is never a sex worker there to, no kidding. to share their view at all.
1: No kidding. It's no just
0: the yeah. yeah. over our heads
1: yeah government. yeah and, 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 and there are just assumptions assumptions made and prejudices mm. and and i'm like well you know you, no, nobody nobody called any of us to on any level just yeah. to even ask a question you know it's just, just mm. to even get a couple of insights you know and uh yeah uh, you know
0: yeah, all I right let me add, just add... Oh, sorry, sorry. No, you, carry
1: on. no i just want i just want to give the uh, the the id were you listening to licking non-vanilla and uh, we are speaking to Ariel Anderson today. But Ariel, go ahead. Go ahead. Your last point.
0: I was going to say that I sometimes when I'm listening to especially kind of like liberal le- liberal left-wing people talking about sex work, and they are all talking as though we're all trafficked, I just want to yeah. kind of howl out loud and, and say like none of none of us, there's a whole community of people who are not being trafficked. We turn up to shoot right. in our own cars, go home to our own houses, yeah. get paid. our own husbands. And wives.
1: That's right, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: Like, we're not children, and sex trafficking, clearly, like, that's not something to just ignore. Yeah. But we are not all sex trafficked. There is a whole group of adult women who are choosing to do this, and I would really love not to just be
1: talked over. It's horrible. Well, you know, Chris and I say this about the kink community all the time. And it's a cliche, I know, but I I say it all the time, I've met some of the most solid, normal people in the whole world Mm -hmm. at King Conventions, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, it's just like just everyday people who, and they, and we've had, Chris and I have made some great connections with these people who we're still mm-hmm. friends with. And, and yeah. I mean, they're just, a, you're this great, wonderful, cool people. And I'm like, I just wish somebody could come to one of these conventions one time and get past what you see right in front of you. You know, somebody, mm-hmm. somebody in a dog collar or somebody, you know, being on a, on a St. Andrew's cross. And get back past that and just talk, have a cup of coffee with somebody and realize... You know, they're going home and take care of their kids or whatever. They're ditching at their everyday people, and they're not—they're not looking to get over on anybody. They just want to have their little slice of what they have, but they don't. Yeah, they have no way of looking to, to get anybody else's lane, you know.
0: And I do think that sort of mainstream sexual culture could learn from the BDSM community in terms of how seriously we take consent, for example. Like it just—it feels like stuff going on in our world.
1: Hmm. You know, I mean, Chris, in, in San Francisco, I hate to go keep going back to that, but I know you're a like your resident <laughs> San Francisco guy. In fact, that's where I met Chris. Um, <laughs> but it's, it was always that way, Chris. I mean, you, 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 oh, yeah. you see he said to me, he again, but speaking of, like he's not here, but he said to me <laughs> many occasions if, if, if somebody's in the mix and they're not somebody who really is all that respectful, sooner
2: or later they would just, people are not playing with them anymore. People don't want yeah. them in their, in their sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Oh, very much so, and then and I'd like to think the community still does that, and I do love the fact that consent is becoming more and more vocal. That we're you know more people are saying the importance of it, and yeah, you know, back then it was pretty much a matter of, again, you didn't matter what you looked like, it didn't matter what you're into, but as long as you're respectful and you know, like for instance, if you identify as a dominant, if you only use it during a play session as opposed to acting like an arrogant jerk, if you yeah. you know play you put that role on outside of a scene. People start to go like okay this person doesn't get it and it's like yeah. you know just you know kind of like not invite them to the next party because you know but yeah that's like i'm i am so glad that we're getting that kind of bleed over from the community to the mainstream as far as importance yeah. of consent and communication and negotiation and all that kind of stuff I've, it's it's weird i think there's always like two steps forward one step back but i really do love that and it's yeah. and i just want to see more of it Yeah. So, Ariel,
1: where you live specifically, is there a big kink community or you just kind of you don't you don't kind of find that where you are because you're working so much?
0: There there is a decent kink community in the UK. Uh, The problem is that we are so much smaller than you that we can't put on big events like one, for example, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. an amazing event. One of the things I just find extraordinary about the USA is... You can fill a hotel. If you have a spanking party, you can fill it. Same if you do a bondage event. And we can't do that here. There's just not enough of us. Mm, Um, So there's lots of wonderful people and there are some wonderful producers.
2: Unfortunately,
0: Mm -hmm. we had um, some government interference about five, maybe seven years ago now that shut down a lot of our BDSM porn sites because they were just under so much threat from the government. They felt like it wasn't worth trying on trying to carry on so our professional scene has shrunk a bit which is very mm-hmm. sad and i'm envious of the usa because of your protection of freedom of speech it, I, I think it stands you in really good stead for for people being allowed to do this for a job
1: yeah 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 uh, just one question completely off topic but i have to ask you <laughs> i just you know, i don't have to use your whales do you know where Sansi is or Sensi? In Wales? Is it my I'm not pronouncing it. Swansea. Swansea. Do you know that's where that is? That's where my husband is from. It's where my husband's
0: from. Yeah, it's it's to the south of us. Um, my why? publishers.
1: Yeah. I have a publisher there. <laughs> really?
0: who's the publisher? Or maybe you don't want
1: to say? I, I don't I don't no, he actually puts out my children's book and my science fiction book. Um that's amazing. oh my god. Well, I you know right. what? We'll, I'll email you his well, I don't have—I don't have the street address, I don't think. But I'll email his his uh, link to you. But he's in, yeah, he's in. Is it Swansea? Is that how you say it? Swansea, yes. Swansea. Swansea. So, so you yeah. you know where that is then? Oh yeah, it's a lovely city, beautiful. Oh wow. Okay. See, see. <laughs> Again, Chris, trivial information that I have, and you know, and Chris, you look like Blofeld when you hold that cat. Do you know that? Exactly. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: It's not, so, I wasn't. People ask that question. That's that was a surprise question. I love it.
1: Yeah. Well, you said whales. so I said whales. Um, so immediate, immediate shoots coming up. You're, are you going anywhere far and wide for anything any immediate shoot?
0: I am actually not. For the first time in my career, I am staying put in the UK for the rest of the year. Wow. These two public to do stuff to do with my book. Um, okay. Because right. no one can tell me how much publicity how many publicity opportunities I'm likely to get. So right. I just thought I don't want to miss out on a kind of once in a lifetime chance to promote my book yeah. by, you know, being in Germany um, when the opportunity comes along. So I am staying in the UK for
1: the rest okay. of the year
0: and then I'm coming back to the USA again I so very much miss my friends. So I'm planning to be back maybe next week.
1: So Before we before you leave, I want to ask you three more things. One was where tell people where they can find you. What what links can I'm going to put those all up on a blog and stuff, but tell them where they can find you.
0: The best place where I talk the most is on Twitter, where I am at Ariel Anderson spelled S S -S E N at the end. Um, I'm Shadowban, obviously, because we all are probably. Um, So it can be a little hard to find me if you don't spell my name correctly. Um, my website for customs is ask or you can find my book as i said at unbound.com and then you search for playing two moves.
1: and there it is and one more question before we leave before we leave give us the one one of the the fun anecdotes from filming something that just either went awry and it was wild or just something just give us one little tickle of something that sticks in your mind I out of will. all the things you did that were kind of fun
0: so this is in my book but it was such an extraordinary experience i was in the netherlands shooting at bondage with people i've not worked with before and they said i could stay at the studio the night before the shoot very kind of them. so they collected me from the airport and drove me to the studio which turned out to be like a, a high narrow wood timber framed house and at okay. the top of the house top floor um there was this padded cell and they said oh this is where you're sleeping um <laughs> and it was tiny it was the size of a small like, child's bed and it smelled really strange and i um they said oh well, we can film you overnight while you're asleep and i said well i obviously don't want to be locked in because yeah. i might need the bathroom in the night I mean, I really yeah. didn't want to be locked in, because I'd only just met these people. Um, and then they they said, no, don't worry, you can wear a diaper. Um, oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, <laughs> this is not what I anticipated. Right. And I was so tired. I said, well, I will sleep in here. Thank you so much. I'm just going to keep the door open, because I'm quite yeah. tall. Um, and I wedged my phone, and I wedged a pair of panties in the hinge, just in case they tried to lock me in during the night. And I was yeah. fine it was it was just a moment where I thought, What
1: am I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Careful what you wish for, dear. Yeah.
0: yeah why am I
1: here? <laughs> That's funny. Oh man.
0: Yeah. Um it's
1: yeah. Yeah, it's, a good, what's a, it's a good time or a good story, right? That's why what it turns yeah. out to be, you know. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that expression. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> Ariel, I, I, we can't thank you enough. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a joy oh, to oh. finally see your face, and, and that's, I've seen your face, but um, it's nice to see you live. And, uh, no, and it's we, lovely, and now I'm going to remember you much better. Now I've
0: actually seen you. <laughs> thank
1: you so much for having me. I oh, really thank you. you so much. Oh, we're we're going to gonna, gonna plaster all about your book with a book. I will be in touch with your publicist when the book comes out. We'll get some. We'll get some art of the cover, and we'll put everything up, and we'll, you know, I will we'll,
0: that.
1: I uh, will pimp it around like crazy. We'll we will do our best. Thank but
0: you so much. Thank,
1: thank you very much. Much much. <laughs> uh, much good health to you and you and yours, and send, send give our See. best to Swansea or Swansea or whatever it is out there. Well, <laughs> swan- it's like
0: Swan and then Z, like the Swan-Z.
1: Z, Swan-Z. Swan-Z. Yes. Okay, I should know yes. that's where one of my publishers are. Okay, well, Ariel, <laughs> thank you very much for being on Licking Non Vanilla, and thank uh, you. we're gonna say goodbye. Thank you, Chris, for all your help as always. Always. And thank you for listening, our droogs, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ariel. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.
0: And visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com.